There's a word from the Lord in the Gospel of John, John chapter 4. And I'm going to begin reading with verse 39, and I'm going to trust that you will read all of John chapter 4 so that you can have an understanding of the context of what God will have me to share with you on today. John chapter 4, beginning with the 39th verse, I'm going to read it from the New King James Version. Listen to what verse 39 says of John chapter 4. Listen to God's word. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. Then they said to the woman, now we believe not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him, and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Verse 39, and many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. I want to preach about, can I get a witness? Can I get a witness? I wanted you all to see this video of two groups of penguins that came together and connected and one got uh, disoriented and started going with the wrong crowd of penguins and the wrong way. But his penguin community didn't give up on him and helped to get him back. If penguins have enough sense to recognize when one of their own has become disoriented, gotten with the wrong crowd, going the wrong way, coming, going back to where we just came from, then surely Christians ought to have enough wherewithal about us that when we see those who are with the wrong crowd, going in the wrong direction, doing the wrong thing, going back to where they came from, then we ought to have enough Holy Spirit in us to be a witness of faith, to get people to turn their lives around and get with the, the Christian crowd, that church crowd, to be able to get to where God has designed for them to be. Can I get a witness? And uh, here in John chapter 4, I read to you about a woman that got it right with Jesus and when she got it right with Jesus, she didn't keep it to herself. That she went back to her community in Sychar in Samaria and shared her faith with others so that they may get an opportunity to meet Jesus for themselves. But before you can help somebody else to know Jesus, you need to know Jesus. You can't talk about getting somebody else right with Jesus and you ain't right with Jesus. And this woman took she took the opportunity to make this intimate connection with Jesus, to get this intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's where I want to start with this message. I want somebody to understand no matter what you've done, no matter how you've messed up, 
that God still loves you and you can get right with God, but the only way to get right with God is to put your faith in Jesus Christ. And it doesn't matter how you've messed up. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter where you come from, whether you're rich or poor or black or white. Jesus can save anybody who calls on his name by faith. Last week in John chapter 3, we met Nicodemus, and he is total opposite of John chapter 4, this woman at the well. And both of them made a connection with Jesus. In John chapter 3, it was a man. In John chapter 4, it's a woman. In John chapter 3, it's a Jew. In John chapter 4, it's a Samaritan. In John chapter 3, it's somebody who's wealthy. In John chapter 4, somebody in poverty. In John chapter 3, it's somebody that holds a high position. In John chapter 4, it's somebody with no position at all. In John chapter 3, it's somebody who's popular. In John chapter 4, it's somebody who's marginalized and a reject and an outcast. And what I'm trying to get across to you is, it doesn't matter what your economic status is. It doesn't matter how much education you have or don't have. If you can confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, God raised Jesus from the dead, you can be saved right now. And you got to take this opportunity to give your life to Christ by faith. You can't keep putting him off. You need to be saved right now. And for some of us, the issue is we think we've sinned too much. We think we strayed too far. We think we've been too low down, that we've made too many mistakes. Y'all, you can't, you can't stray so far that the love of God cannot bring you back. This woman in this text, she has, ends up with this encounter with Jesus. She gets it right with Jesus. But before she met Jesus, her life was messed up. You got to read chapter 4 in your own private time with God. This is a woman that had some issues personally. In John chapter 4, Jesus asked her about her husband. She said, I don't have a husband. Jesus said, I know you don't have a husband. You had five husbands. And the one you got now ain't yours. That's an implication. She's sleeping with somebody else's husband. Y'all ain't saying amen to this. This woman has some issues personally. And then she's got some issues with her family. And she has issues with her family because she has had five husbands. And... And if you've had five husbands, it's hard for me to believe the issue was the five husbands. I think the issue is this woman. Uh, because you can, I mean, you can blame it on the, on the five husbands if you want to. Because you can say, well, the first husband was mean and evil, hard to get along with. I couldn't stay with that, so I left that. The, the, the next husband... Uh, he was abusive physically and verbally, and I, I couldn't stay with that, and nobody wants you to stay in an abusive relationship. And then you had to get out of that. Then the third husband, he maltreated you, mistreated you. He didn't do you right. Okay, you just couldn't stay with that. Fourth husband, he just, did, he, he just couldn't do right, and he wouldn't be right by me. Okay, fifth husband. Well, he just, you know, he was like the other one. He jacked up and messed up. And now, now you do know you're the one choosing the husband's. You're the one choosing the relationships. And, and, and when you go to choose a relationship, I'm not talking about anybody in here. I'm talking about this woman in John 4. <laughs> the only thing changing in your relationships are the names of the men. You keep picking the same kind of relationship. Only thing changing are names. And I believe the issue is her because... With all five of these relationships she was in that was so messed up, it's only one common denominator. 
It was a different man each time. It's the same. Okay, y'all ain't saying amen or none of this. I'm trying to show you this woman had issues personally. She had issues in her family, and she had issues in her community. And I know she had issues in her community because she goes to this well to get water uh, in, in Samaria at noon. Let me explain the context. This is Samaria. She lives in Sychar in Samaria. It's the first century. Nobody has running water, so they have to go to this community well. And it's called Jacob's Well. Jacob dug it years ago. And, uh, when, when, and so that was the woman's responsibility for whatever reason. So women would go to that well with their buckets, like this woman has her bucket to go get water, to cook with, to clean with, and for their families. And normally they would go at sunrise because it's, it's Samaria. They're in the desert. She goes at noon. Nobody goes at noon. It's 120 degrees. They go before the sun is fully up to get water. Why is she going so late? Because this is not just a, a will to come get water. This is their social media. This is where women catch up on community. This is where they act. How's it going with your family? What's going on with your grandchildren? How, how's your, your, your uncle doing? How are they doing in school? This is where they go to get rumors. Did you hear what she did? But she's not there for the, the, the social aspect of this because she's an outcast. Because you know who they talking about at 6.30 in the morning? They talking about this woman that's coming at noon. And so she don't want to be picked. She don't want to deal with all of that being rejected and being talked about because she has an issue with the community. And they may be talking about her because you keep sleeping with other folks' husbands. Y'all ain't saying amen to none of this. And so this is a woman that's got some issues with that community. She's an outcast. She's a reject. And, and with all of that going on, with all the sins that she's committed, all the stuff that's happened, she still gets it right with Jesus. Because Jesus doesn't allow our past to get in the way of what he wants to do in our presence. He, he has so much grace. He has so much mercy that no matter where you've been, what you've done, what you smoke, what you, it doesn't matter what sin you committed. It doesn't matter that you have a felony in your background. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And you got to take advantage of having this right relationship and connection with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And she was able to get that connection because she could move past the excuses. All of us who've tried to share our faith and be a witness, we've heard every excuse somebody can have. We're talking about how important it is to receive Jesus and how God loves you. He'll give you another chance and you need a church where you can grow and develop and the, you need to operate in the kingdom of God and you need to serve. And we've heard all the excuses. And somebody in here listening to me and somebody online, you've given all the excuses. Why are you not right with Christ and his church and his kingdom? She had excuses too, but she was able to get beyond. The first excuse she had, Jesus walks up on this well the woman's at the well by herself at noon and with her water bucket, get ready to get her water. Here comes Jesus. He's going from Judea to uh, Galilee. The quickest way is to go through Samaria. He sent his disciples to go get something to eat. And he walks up on this woman. The woman's going to get water. And Jesus said to her, give me some water. And she says, uh, you a Jewish man asking me, a Samaritan woman, for some water? Listen to her excuses as to why she won't obey Jesus. Give me some water. 
She didn't quickly say, let me obey Jesus. No, you, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. She brings up racism. The reason I'm not obeying Jesus is because of racism. You're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan. Samaritans, they actually were Jewish, it's just in their lineage, they married outside the Jewish people, and so they were mixed culture. Well, the Jews over here in Judea and, and Galilee, they're like, we're pure Jews. And they were called the Samaritans half-breeds because they were mixed culture. And they didn't have anything to do with each other. Matter of fact, Jesus going through Samaria to get to Galilee, no Jew does that because they didn't want to have anything to do with these half-breeds. So what they would do is they cross over the Jordan River and then go three days out of the way and then come back over to get to Galilee. And this woman says, I'm, I'm, I'm not obeying Jesus because of racism. That's why somebody's not a part of church now. Because we have seen racist churches and racist uh, uh, Christians, supposedly Christians, and, and now I don't want to have anything to do with that because they're racist. Y'all, even though we got a problem with race, Jesus ain't got no problem with race. When God created humanity, he didn't make different races. He made one race. That's the human race. We're the ones with the issues. And I'm not going to hell because you got an issue between black and white people. Preach, Jeffrey Johnson. I'm doing the best I can. And we, 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 it wasn't just about racism. It was about sexism. She said, you're a man. I'm a woman. You go ask me for some water? You know we live in a male-dominated society. I'm not even supposed to be talking to you right now without somebody else being present because you're a man and I'm a woman. And in Samaria and in Israel, yo, men didn't look at women as people. They looked at them as possessions. It was a sexist society. And that's the excuse she has. That I'm not obeying Jesus because of sexism. And I know we, even in the 21st century, we still got to deal with sexism. Y'all know Jesus is not a sexist. When God made humanity, he, God made them after his image, male and female. The man is made in the image of God, and the female is made in the image of God. And when Jesus chose his disciples, Jesus didn't just have male disciples. Ask Joanna. Ask Mary the mother of James. Uh, ask Mary Magdalene. Y'all, Jesus had female disciples that were on the road with him sharing the gospel about the kingdom of God. He is not a sexist. Yes, there is sexism even in church. There are churches in America and around the world that suggest women can't even preach, even though you got all kind of female preachers in the scripture and will argue you up and down that women should not be preaching. And, 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 and here's the thing. Some, some churches won't even allow women in the pulpit unless they bring us some orange juice in a handkerchief. <laughs> Cause of sexism. And then surely don't talk about pastoring. Because they feel like women shouldn't lead men. Well, you need to take Deborah out of the Bible because Deborah was a prophetess and she was a judge and she judged all of Israel and male and female. But this woman was using sexism as an excuse. Then she used denominationalism as an excuse. Jesus said, give me something to drink. At first, she didn't obey Jesus because of denominationalism. She's the one start talking about what Jesus brought up, family. Go get your husband. Uh, I don't have one. Uh, the one you got now ain't yours. And then she changed the subject. Uh, the Jews say we're supposed to. 
this wasn't even in the conversation. She just brought it up trying to make Jesus leave her alone. The Jews said we should worship at Mount Zion. The Samaritans say we should worship God on Mount Gerasim. Which one do you say? Which, which denomination is right? Which mountain should we worship on? And that's why some of us, we say, well, that's why I don't go to church. That's why I'm not a Christian because, you know, it's too much division with the denominations and, and all that kind of stuff. Y'all, we, we argue over Baptist mountains and Pentecostal mountains and Apostolic mountains and Lutheran mountains and Catholic mountains and all that. Jesus said the issue is not about denomination. And the issue of worship is not about location. The issue is about disposition. If you're going to worship God, you got to worship him in spirit and in truth. Some of us will fight about what mountain to worship in, but have no idea what's going on with the Holy Spirit to worship God in a way that God gets honor and glory. I'm rushing this. But she got beyond, she got beyond the, 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 the excuses. Y'all, just because you make excuses don't mean you excused. <laughs> when you're at the judgment seat of Christ, you're going to have a litany of excuses and you think, God, oh, okay, I didn't know that was going on. Come on. And no, your excuses don't excuse you. I don't know where this originated. They give so many people credit for this. But someone has suggested that excuses are tools of the incompetent. And that excuses build monuments to nothing and bridges to nowhere. Let me give it to you again. People who are incompetent, the tools that they use are excuses. And then they use those tools to build monuments to nothing. And then they take those excuses to build bridges, but they ain't going nowhere. And some of us got one excuse after another to do nothing and to go nowhere. But if you can get beyond the excuses and get with Jesus, Jesus can change your life. He said, give me some water. She's got excuses. And Jesus said, wait a minute, if you knew who I was and the gift of God, you would ask me for some water. And I give you water and you never thirst again. And she said, you don't even have a water bucket. Where are you going to get this water from that I'll never thirst again? Jesus said, I'm not talking about the natural. I'm talking about the supernatural. I'm talking about the water of the Holy Spirit welling up inside of you that you can have eternal life if you stop making excuses. And I don't care what happened in your family. I don't care about your past relationships. I don't care about your sin. I don't care who you slept with last night. If you knew who I was, life would be different for you because I will give you water of the Holy Spirit. You can have everlasting life. Y'all, you got to take advantage of that because you're never going to be satisfied in life until you get saved. Until you get that right connection with Jesus, you will never be satisfied. Some of us right now are so depressed and some of us are so dissatisfied and we, we've gotten everything the world said that we need to have. So you've gone to school and you're successful in your career. You've climbed the, the social ladder of success. You've climbed the political ladder of success. You've climbed all these ladders of the economic ladder of success. And then when you got to the top of the ladder, you discovered this thing is leaning on the wrong building. Because it don't satisfy. A nice house is wonderful. Cars are nice. Clothes, praise God. Money in the bank, all that kind of, That's wonderful. It don't satisfy. Because what God has done, God has given all of us a thirst that only Jesus can quench. 
And you know this woman is thirsty. All this stuff she's been going, you know she's thirsty. But Jesus said, that stuff won't satisfy you. But I'm going to give you water that you never thirst again. It is his Holy Spirit. God has given us a void that only Jesus can fill. God has given us a desire that only Jesus can satisfy. And it doesn't matter how much money you make or where you live. Until you get Jesus, you will never be satisfied. I, um, Daryl Strawberry is one of the best baseball players in the history of Major League Baseball. Daryl Strawberry. Don't Google him now, but you can Google him later. He was the first-round draft choice of the New York Mets and won a World Series with them. Then he switched teams and went to the New York Yankees, won two more World Series. Nine-time All-Star, Hall of Famer, all of that. Multi-millionaire, made so many millions of dollars. Owned houses in different parts of the world. He has traveled all over the world. I had a chance to meet him. And it was, a, it was by chance that I met him. We, I, we were both in New Jersey. I, we were staying at the same hotel. I was coming out of the hotel. He was coming in to check in. And there was Daryl Strawberry. So he was with his beautiful wife and at the time small children, his beautiful children, his beautiful family. And I, I don't normally bother people, but I walked up. I didn't know he was six foot six. Hey, man, I'm Jeffrey Johnson. It's nice to meet you. And those who know Daryl Strawberry, y'all know with all that success he had, he turned to drugs alcohol and abuse drug. Matter of fact, he got suspended from the league because of the, his abuse of drugs and all that kind of stuff. And he went through a, a period in his life that he was suicidal. And he was talking to a reporter. He told the reporter that life is not worth living. Wait a minute. You own houses all over the place. You've traveled the world. You're a multimillionaire, nine-time all-star. You're successful in your field. You don't get in. You're a Hall of Famer. You got a family? You got all of that? And you said life is not worth living? Yo, let me tell you something. I'm, I'm not a multimillionaire. I don't know what y'all heard, but I ain't no multimillionaire. I own one house. And I have been to different parts of the world, but I ain't traveled the world like Daryl Strawberry. And I certainly don't have all the fanfare he has and all the all-star guy. I, I don't have none of that. But life is worth living. Because I got Jesus. God sent his son. They called him Jesus. He came to love, heal, and forgive. Yo, he, he gave his life just to buy my part. And an empty grave is there to prove my Savior live. And because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. I, I, I know who holds the future. And life is worth the living just because Jesus lived. Can I get a witness? You're not going to be satisfied. Now, praise God, Daryl Strawberry gave his life to Christ. Now he's a minister. He goes around the country and the world telling people about Jesus. you got to take advantage to get your life right with Christ. And this woman, and it, when, she, when, when she was dealing with Jesus, she, had, she, she was so inquisitive. She had one question after. She just kept asking Jesus so many questions. And y'all... That's great. It's, it's okay to ask Jesus questions. You're not going to throw God off his game by asking him something. Now, I, I gave my life to Jesus Christ when I was a teenager. I was 13. I was brought up and raised in the church. Mama made us go to Sunday school. Y'all know I can't sing. She had me singing in the children's choir, the youth choir. And, and, and then I gave my life to Christ off of uh, her witness, my grandmother's witness, my pastor's witness, and a guest speaker's witness. It was a youth rally. 
and they, we were in the basement of the church, and, uh, and, and he led me to Christ. And so for me, I, I just accepted Christ. I got baptized, united with church, and I, I, I've not strayed since. And, but I know it's not like that for everybody. Some people are very inquisitive. They got a lot of questions. Somebody right now, you, you, you on site or you online, and not because you're a Christian giving God glory, you got a lot of questions. You want to understand Christ and the kingdom and the church and what, what, is all this, what does all this mean? What is all this about? What's up with the crucifixion and the resurrection? Why is that so significant? And you got all these questions and it's okay to ask those questions. You can, you can ask God any question you want concerning God and the things. I know you're concerned about poverty and sickness and evil in the world and disease. If God is all love and all powerful, why do we have all this suffering and, and then the, 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 all, all the, the pandemic and what went on with that and the injustice and the political corruption and religious corruption? You got questions. But now here's the thing for some of us, we won't ask God questions because we still remember Big Mama saying, don't question God. Y'all, when Big Mama said, don't question God, Big Mama meant don't question God's existence. Don't question God's essence. She didn't mean don't ask God any questions. You can ask God whatever you want to ask. Your question is not going to throw God off his game. Like, like you're going to ask God something. And he go, oh, my God, I don't know how to respond. To no. Now, you ain't going to always like his answers. But you can ask him in. And she just asked Jesus one question after another. And Jesus just sat there and answered each of his questions. It used to be a time when it came to theology and the things of God, we used to go to the scriptures to get our answers. Now we go to social media. We used to go to the script. We used to rely on the Holy Spirit for our answers. Because even if I'm listening to somebody else, my spirit will bear witness with your spirit that this is of God. No, we don't go to Scripture anymore. We don't go to the Son of God. We don't go to the Holy Spirit. We go to social media because we got questions. Now, here's the issue. We're going to social media for your theology. What most of us do with our social media is we connect with people who think like us because some of us lose our mind if somebody disagree with us. It's okay for somebody to disagree with you. You disagree with them. So, this, so we go on social media, and the only people we connect with are people who think like us. So that's why you, you wonder how these crazy conspiracy theories last so long. That's because people with, who believe these crazy conspiracy theories, they all go to each other online. So they all say the same thing. And they form. so you got crazy people with a crazy idea going back and forth. And, and they perpetuate that. Because you, know, you can be sincere and be sincerely wrong. You can affirm something that is wrong. So we got to be careful about going to social media to get our theology. We got to go to the scripture because if it contradicts scripture, it is not of God. And God, Jesus has given you his, the water of his Holy Spirit that brings you a revelation that when somebody's talking, you know whether or not that this is of God. Get your answers from Jesus. And the longer this woman kept talking... It, like for me, when, when, I, when I heard about Jesus, I gave my life to Jesus, this woman wasn't like that. When she first got uh, hit this encounter with Jesus, it wasn't all at once. Matter of fact, the longer she stayed with Jesus, 
the better she knew Jesus. The more questions she asked and the more Jesus answered, she finally got to the point that she knew who this was. At first she was talking to him and didn't know who he was. If you knew who I was and the gift of God, you wouldn't be talking to me like this. You'd be saying something else. Because at first she thought he was just a Jewish man. You, you, you a man. Then she kept talking to him, started asking him about the things of God. Which mountain do we worship on? When Jesus answered, she said, you sound like a prophet. So she went from, he just a man, to no, this must be a preacher. But she kept talking to him and she said, you must be the Messiah. Because the longer she was with him, the better she understood him. And then once she understood who Jesus was, sister girl dropped her water pot and then ran back to Sychar, her community, and began to tell her family and friends that I have gotten it right with the Messiah. I met a man named Jesus, and he's got to be the Messiah. He was all up in my business, but it set me free, and that whole community now was on their way to Jesus. Y'all, when you get it right with Jesus, you can't sit back. I know you've been saved. You accepted Christ. You got the Holy Spirit in you. You've been baptized. You've united with the church. But you can't keep it to yourself. You do not have a right to remain silent. Everything that you do not say will be held against you in the kingdom of God. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. She went back. Y'all, we have to use our testimonies about Jesus to bring transformation into the community. The reason why Sychar, that Samaritan community, could be transformed and changed was because of the witness of one woman. You don't know what God is going to do with you when you open your mouth and tell people what Jesus did for you. Y'all, we are we're transforming the Arlington Woods community in Indianapolis, Indiana. And the way we're doing it is with our testimony. It's, it's with our witness about Jesus. Why do y'all think we call it the rock initiative? Because Jesus is the rock of our salvation. And it is with our witness. And our witness as a ministry is both verbal and visible. You can hear our witness, but you can also see our witness. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's verbal. But when we provide all the technology into San, uh, a Sankofa School of Success, because 85% of the children are in poverty, that's visible. Uh, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's verbal. But when we provide food for a community that's in a food desert, that is visible. I don't know why y'all ain't getting this. That if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised Jesus from the dead, you shall be saved. That is verbal. But when we build a community center to help be a blessing to these young people over here, that is visible. Do I have a witness in here? And it is that witness that makes a difference in the book of Revelation. It says that they overcame him, talking about the enemy, that they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Y'all, the issues in our community, it ain't the blood of the lamb. Jesus got that taken care of. It is the word of our testimony. When is the last time you told somebody about Jesus? There's uh, Olivia Durant. Olivia Durant was born blind. And when she was born blind, she was talking about as a kid how she'd been talked about and, and bullied 
and, and classmates would just come up and slap her. She couldn't even see it coming because she was blind. And, uh, but yet she was still able to compete in the classroom and went on, graduated and got her college degree and started working in technology and, and found a great job. When she found a job as an adult that uh, Olivia said they had good benefits. I told my son, you ain't really working right till you get a job that's got some benefits. So she got her health benefits. And so now they paid for the surgery. She was born blind. Now she got these health benefits. Now she can afford to get the surgery she couldn't afford. She's now 36 years old. She had to have four surgeries, but it gave her her sight. And Olivia said that what she decided to do, she said, I decided I'm going to become what I needed 20 years ago when I was blind. She could have become bitter because of how bad it was and bullying and all that kind of stuff. She didn't become bitter. She became better. And she decided that I'm going to become what I needed when I couldn't see. I'm going to become that for somebody else. That I'm going to help people to understand disabilities. I'm going to help people to understand accessibility. I, I want people to understand accessibility with, with apps on, the, on, on, on their smart device or in the classroom, or in business, or in church, in the community. She's become what somebody else need, what she used to be, what she couldn't see. Y'all, if we'll be honest, there was a time in all of our lives that we couldn't see life clearly. We couldn't see Jesus, couldn't see God, couldn't see what the church was all about. But when we put our faith in Jesus off somebody else's witness, he brought us into the marvelous light. Now we got to become what we needed when we were blind. Do I have a witness in here? You got to share your faith. You got to tell, you got to tell your family. You got to tell your friends. about. You know, and that's what's going to make a difference. That, that's what turned that community around in Sychar. Because she opened her mouth and began to tell. And really, her testimony, when you read it, her testimony was this. I, I met a man, told me everything about myself. This got to be the Messiah. And she won a whole community off that. She didn't talk about the Pentateuch. She didn't talk about the Torah. She didn't talk about Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus. She said, I met him. He told me all about myself. And now I'm right with God. This got to be the Messiah. Y'all, you don't have to know the whole Bible to be a witness. You don't have to know Genesis to Revelation to be a witness. Just tell them what Jesus did for you. Tell them what you saw. Tell them what you heard. Tell them what you experienced. That's enough to get somebody saved. All you got to do. And here's the thing. I started, I started being a witness when I was 15 years old. I, my pastor, they, our church, Pleasant Union Church on the west side of Indy, where I gave my life to Christ, my pastor was heavy into evangelism and sharing your faith. And Jesus said, when the, when the Holy Spirit come up on you, you should be witnesses unto me. And so uh, I, I learned how to share my faith when I was a teenager. And those who share your faith, those who witness you are fishers of men and women, you know people will ask you questions that have nothing to do with salvation. Right? So I'm sitting up here saying, well, you know, if you believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, you can be saved. And then they'll, they'll say something like this, uh, well, where did Cain get his wife from? Those that don't know, Adam and Eve, God created them, and then they had uh, three sons, but, but Cain and Abel and, and Seth, 
and then uh, Cain got in some trouble and had to leave that community. Then he got married. And so their question to me is, if God created Adam and Eve, it was just two people and they had these sons, didn't he have any daughter? Where did Cain get his wife from? Here was my answer. I don't know. Why am I getting ready to start arguing about something? I wasn't there. I don't know. The Bible didn't tell me. I don't know where he got them from. Because I witness about what I know. I don't know where. Maybe he got his wife from the same people, same places we got our wives from. Met her at church, met her at, at work, a friend introduced, uh, met her at the club. I don't know. But I do know I was on my way to hell with no God on my side, no heaven in my view. I was too mean to live, but I wasn't ready to die. But I put my faith in Jesus, and he gave me salvation. Can I get a witness? Uh, let me close it like this. Um, oh, I, I have my, y'all saw in the Sharon's birthday video, uh, my, my grandsons, Jeffrey Allen, and Jeremiah. Jeffrey Allen is three, Jeremiah is one. I had them over to the house. It was just me and, and Jeremiah and Jeffrey Allen. And I did like y'all did. I turned the TV on. Turned, watch, watch. <laughs> Let's watch some TV. So we, we, we were watching Dr. Doolittle. It, the, the first one Eddie Murphy did, Dr. Doolittle. And so uh, Jeremiah got distracted. He was like that little penguin I showed y'all. He just started wandering. So Jeffrey Allen and I were watching Dr. Doolittle. Y'all know Dr. Doolittle, who, uh, who a doctor who the, he could talk to the animals. And this, it was the first one, so Eddie Murphy thought he was crazy. Dr. Doolittle thought he was crazy because a dog started talking to him. He understood the dog. He started talking about to the dog, and the dog understood him. So he thought, I must be losing my mind. He got as far, far away from that dog as he possibly could. Then an owl flew and showed up at his house. When the owl showed up at his house, the owl, she had a thorn stuck in her wing and she couldn't get it out. She ain't got no fingers. She got, so she couldn't get the thorn that was causing pain in her life out of her wing. So she's talking to Dr. Doolittle. You a doctor, aren't you? Get this thorn out of my wing, please. And Dr. Doolittle, who thought he was losing his mind, he took the thorn out of her wing and she said, thank you. And then she flew off. And Dr. Doolittle thought it was all over. I ain't got to worry about this no more. Till the next morning, he opened his front door and there were all kind of animals. There were owls and other birds and ducks and pigs and, and dogs and cats and, and donkeys and horses. There were all kind of animals. Because when he took that thorn out of that owl, she flew back to her family and community and told them, I know somebody. If you got something in you and you can't get it out yourself, I know a doctor that can get it out for you. I know I got a witness in here somewhere that you know if you turn it over to Jesus and stop worrying about it, how many of you know he'll fix it for you, he'll work it for you. Did somebody give God glory in this place?